Here at Kajabi, we are known for one thing, helping everyday people like you build successful businesses online. With our simple all-in-one platform, we've paved the way for over 100,000 people to create 300,000 products and collectively earn over $3.9 billion in revenue. And we've created the Kajabi Edge podcast to inspire, educate, and empower you to do the same. So unlike other podcasts that highlight the glory stories of today's most successful entrepreneurs, we're bringing you the real stories from real people who have created real success to give you the online business edge you need to succeed in today's digital marketplace. So if you're someone who's looking to start an online business, allow us to be the first to welcome you home to the Kajabi family. everyone and welcome to the Kajabi Edge podcast where we talk to real entrepreneurs to give you the online business edge you need to succeed on Kajabi. I'm your host Jared Lohman, Vice President of Customer Experience and today we're joined by Jen Renee, founder of Ashtanga Central. How's it going today, Jen? Hey Jared, I'm well and I'm super excited to be here with you. Well, we're excited to have you. Uh, Let's start things off in traditional format. Give us just a 15-second elevator pitch uh, on who you are and what you do. All right. I'm Jen Renee, and I'm an Ashtanga yoga teacher, and I teach primarily through Kajabi now. And my goal is to make yoga fun and accessible to all people, all body types, all levels. I love that. I love that. And I didn't know that Ashtanga was a style of yoga. Uh, Is that uh, how many different styles of yoga? are there more and more all the time. Okay. Um, I don't know. I think we've lost count, but Ashtanga is one of the more traditional lineages of yoga. So back before there were loads of different lineages, Ashtanga is kind of one of the core ones from India. Very um, cool. One of the first styles to make it to the United States. Awesome. Awesome. Well, I noticed that you gave the now qualifier when you mentioned teaching online. So I'd love to dive into your genesis, if you will. Um, and if even if you want to take it back a step further, like even how you uh, how you started your career um, and like ultimately what led you to teaching yoga? All right. Well, I have been teaching yoga for almost 20 years and I started, I think I took my first yoga class when I was 23, right out, right out of college, six months out of college or so. And I, it, it seriously derailed me. I had a corporate job at the time, which I thought was okay, but I started doing yoga and it just pulled me in. Uh, so I moved across the country to San Francisco at the time and started, I did a yoga teacher training, started teaching a little bit and did a few other things as well, but you know, teaching and, and doing a few other little side hustles felt a lot of pressure to have a corporate job again, but went back to grad school instead. Um, that was in DC and graduated. Yeah. My story is a little bit convoluted. So graduated, spent a year in India again doing yoga, got a job with the government briefly and decided that that just really wasn't for me. And I've been teaching yoga full time ever since. So it took me a few years to make that commitment to being a teacher. But once I made it, I was, I was, 
was all in. And I, let's see, I think that I started teaching part-time, probably that was probably like 2005 full-time, I would guess by 2011, I think. And then on Kajabi since 2016. Very cool. Well, and I just want to <laughs> quickly validate too, not only for you, but I think for our listeners as well, it's, I think it's more common than not for someone to have a convoluted story. Like most people, I, I think maybe this will be more normal by, you know, over the next decade, but there, there really wasn't that normal path, if you will, that anyone followed um, that ultimately led you from, you know, grade school to high school to entrepreneur. I'm now a yoga teacher that just wasn't, you know, a very common opportunity. So I think that that makes a lot of sense. Uh, one thing I'm interested in is you mentioned that you started off as a yoga teacher and you mentioned, I, I noticed on the timeline, Kajabi came a lot later. So uh, did you start out in the brick and mortar or what did your business look like prior to Kajabi? Yeah, yeah. I was doing brick and mortar for quite a long time. And this was in Washington, D.C. still. Um, so I taught part-time through grad school to help pay the bills. And then I continued to teach part-time while I was working full-time. And then when I stopped working um, in my government job, then I started teaching yoga full-time at a yoga studio. And it wasn't my studio. I was um, just teaching there at first. And then I actually ended up renting space from them and kind of doing my own thing over time as things developed. And it was an awesome opportunity. DC is a great place to be a yoga teacher because it's so densely populated. I always had a lot of students. Uh, you know, it was really fun to to be with people in person and in the room, in the yoga room with them. Um, and I, you know, I did have taught a few other classes here and there, but primarily I was in one place and it did provide a great opportunity. It was a lot of fun. I learned a lot, but the room held 36 people and that started to feel like a small room. And it actually was, you know, it was packed. Like I'd have people waiting. We would have to kind of um, filter in and out. And, you know, it was always going to be limited by space teaching solely in person. I have a feeling that you're teasing out the next portion of the story, which <laughs> <laughs> ironically enough, like had I not, had you not given me the timeline first, I think I probably would have guessed, oh, the pandemic, like that's when everyone went from, you know, offline to online out of, you know, necessity. But it sounds like you were almost more of a pioneer in this space. So <laughs> yeah, so, so I was well ahead of the pandemic, which worked out really nicely in 2020. In 2016, I was really interested in, I was tired because I was teaching a lot and like, it's, it's quite physical. So I, I felt really tired. And I also felt this real desire to reach more people and you know share my message with more people. And so I got a business coach and she's, she's fantastic. And she started really encouraging me to go to Kajabi. And I didn't, I didn't know much about the online teaching space. At the time, there were a few other options. There was one that was kind of specifically for yoga teachers and a, a few others that I had looked up. But this coach of mine really, she loves Kajabi. She's still on Kajabi and she really encouraged me to give it a try. So I actually started um, making some short classes back in 2000 and it was probably more like 2017. It probably took me a few months to actually start up using Kajabi. But uh, uh, yeah, I mean, it was so it's been it's been a while now. Very exciting. Very exciting. Well, tell us a little bit about that journey. In fact, actually, tell us a lot about that journey of transitioning from offline to online. How long did it take? How did you, I guess, acquire that audience uh, to start bringing the, your, your uh, yoga teachings online? Let's see. How do I even get started with this? So I was a little bit hesitant at first. Like it's, 
being a yoga teacher, it takes a while to build a following. And I was, I was doing well. So I wasn't about to, and, and I liked it. So I wasn't about to stop teaching in person, but I wanted to kind of gradually see what was possible teaching online and, you know, share some of my offerings with, uh, with more people. So I had already had like a, a regular social media presence before I started um, making some classes on Kajabi. And, you know, I continued to be consistent and regular with that, trying to you know, build up a little bit of a following. And I'd been in the Ashtanga yoga community, which is fairly small. You know, I had been a part of this community now for probably like 10 years or so. So I, you know, I knew some people um, all over the country and I had students in DC who were willing to help me. And that was really huge because my first several offerings that I brought online, I had students volunteer to, to do the, the, um, yoga or the Pilates for me. And I would be teaching them, which made it a lot easier than trying to do it yourself and, and do the audio. So my first few classes were really just classes that I recorded and I was really shy about trying to sell them. I, I mean, I do think this was, I do think this was 26, 17 now. So I don't know, like I just felt a little bit sheepish about it. Like, you know, I don't, I, I was, I was timid, but uh, I got such an overwhelmingly supportive response from my audience and from my students that they really encouraged me to keep going. So sorry, I don't know if my dog's barking. I don't know. If no, the, worries. Okay. no worries. I love the background dogs. <laughs> so they encouraged me to keep going. And in these, these first classes, they were, you know, things that I sold for probably between 20 and $45 or something. They weren't, they were pretty low ticket items, but I gradually put together two complete courses based on, um, based on the Ashtanga yoga system. So Ashtanga has different series. And so I taught the first series completely online and the second series completely online and put all the content together. It took ages. Uh, and you know, like just teaching on video was different for me, but I found that if I rehearsed and made a script, it was a hundred times worse than if I just taught, like I was regularly teaching. And so kind of once I got comfortable, just acting like the camera was my, were my regular students, things got a lot easier and started moving more swiftly. And honestly, the video editing was probably the most challenging part, which, you know, got that sorted out. Kajabi was pretty easy and it, you know, it still is easy. I had never Ever put together a website before, but getting courses up on Kajabi was not hard, even for somebody who thought it would be. And I still was a little bit timid and sheepish about making the transition completely over to online teaching. So the first time I ran these full-length courses based on the, the series of Ashtanga, I also had an in-person component. So the students, we met on the weekends, and then I would give them modules to watch online over a week or two. And then, you know, we'd meet again for another weekend, a couple of weeks later. And, uh, and I ran them like that. And I think that that was a nice way to ease me into it and at least help me feel a little bit more comfortable because I really wanted to make sure that my message in the videos was getting across to the students in real life. And the, so the first time I ran both of those courses, that's the way I did it. Got good feedback from the students. I think the videos were pretty effective, made some tweaks, added some things. And then by by 2018, I was running these courses completely online without the in-person component. Wow. Uh, how did you know that it was time to make the transition to fully online? 
Well, I forgot to mention this. It actually was because I really wanted to move to San Diego Uh and my student base was still in DC and I just, I was ready to leave DC. Um, but I was really scared about not having work when I got to San Diego. And so I was able to bring the work with me through Kajabi. Amazing. As much as you, you are open to sharing, did you, uh, I guess, did you have that uh, foundation in place enough to where you felt like you were equipped, like you had enough income coming in to support the move? Or was this also still a pretty big risk? It was still, it was a little bit of a risk. And I had income coming in from a couple of other places that helped. Like I had some retreats lined up to teach in person and some workshops scattered throughout the country. And what's been so nice about having an online platform is that if I meet people at a workshop I'm teaching in Texas or a workshop I'm teaching in Florida, they can stay connected through my offerings in Kajabi and I'll see them in, um, you know, in online courses, which all of my online courses, I still do live components over zoom because you know not everyone takes them, but for me, that's one of the most fun aspects of being a yoga teacher is seeing my students and having a relationship with them. So we always have it be a combo of some online um, zoom calls, live zoom calls with the the modules. So I'm going to, I'm going to ask you a question that I don't think I've ever got to ask on this show because of uh, what I kind of alluded to earlier is I would have guessed the pandemic drove this uh, move. But since that isn't the case, how did the pandemic impact you from did it impact you in the opposite way when suddenly there's like the competition blew up? So not initially when I first so when the first pandemic first hit, it was actually really good timing because I, for me, <laughs> sure. I was about to run an online course. And as soon as the pandemic hit, there was just this, I, I was already promoting it. I had launched it. Like we were about to start and everything shut down. So I had this really big surge and people who signed up and I had literally just finished up my membership site and was kind of like dragging my feet and getting it live because I, I, you know, again, I feel timid still, even though I had been doing it for years at this point, I still kind of feel a little bit timid because, you know, traditionally yoga is in person. And I think I still feel a little bit sheepish because I don't want to take away from the integrity of the teachings at all. But I actually really don't think that that's the case when you teach online. So anyways, I had everything in place. And when uh, things shut down, I had, I just launched the membership site, which was already ready to go. And my course was starting. So initially there was this huge surge. And while other yoga teachers were scrambling to figure out how to teach online or how to use Zoom or what to do, I was in a really good position. And I ran another course in May of 2020 and you know had a, a bunch of content that I had just been kind of not doing much with or like ideas. It wasn't even content. It was just like these ideas that I had and um, just pushed everything out because I had still been teaching workshops and trainings in person. I wasn't teaching daily classes, but without any in-person teaching, I also had a lot more time to work on the online online stuff. So at the beginning of the pandemic, uh, I was in a really nice position. And, and now I, there is a lot more competition now. I mean, I do think my enrollments are a little bit lower than I would like to see. But at the same time, it means that if more people are online, then hopefully more people are also online doing yoga, not just teaching yoga. And ultimately, you know, yeah. the more people who are doing yoga, the better. There's a really nice ripple effect that comes with practicing. Yeah, certainly not a zero sum game. It's just really interesting because I've never had the opportunity to ask the question from the <laughs> the opposite side. So um, can you 
I think you you mentioned earlier, uh, just rewinding back, you mentioned earlier that it took ages to start developing your content. Can you share a little bit more? I mean, what does ages mean? And like, what was the challenge? You know, I think it's largely that it all takes a lot longer from idea to sale than I ever would have anticipated. And it's everything from getting a place to film. And I do a lot more of it myself now, but I would have, you know, hire people to be the the videographers, the cameramen, the lighting, the microphones. Like this at first, that was so hard. That's so much to to figure out when you have never made a video before either than other than with your iPhone. Uh, so getting the audio and getting the video quality and learning how to edit videos or finding somebody who could edit them for me and not charge me thousands of dollars because it's so time consuming. It's also makes it really expensive to have them edited mm-hmm. for you. Um, so, you know, kind of all these were new challenges for me and the teaching part, that was the easy bit. Because like I said, as soon as I realized that it was, if I taught like to the cameras, though I was teaching in the yoga studio, then the message got across just fine. It was really like making that into a video. And then, you know, uploading takes a long time. Writing all the emails takes a long time. Um, even just making sure that everything that the user can view everything and that, um, you know, at first I was like, Oh, awesome. I've got all this content and I just put it up there. And then I didn't really realize that like I needed to kind of spell it out and, and walk students through it a little bit more with a, like a nurturing email sequence when they start the course and, you know, like, you know, telling them how huge this is that they're even getting started and really being encouraging. And then also making it as easy for them to follow as possible because I wasn't there in person holding their hand like I might have been previously. You know, so it just be things like, you know, making, you know, just making sure they had all the links that they needed, that they had all the downloads that they needed, that they were in the Facebook group or the WhatsApp group or whatever. Got and it. those things, they take more time than you think they're going to. Now I'm a little bit more confident with it. And I will, if I'm, I do feel confident enough now to sell a course that's not completely finished and, and keep adding content as I'm going along. But I never would have done that when I started. I had to make sure it was perfect, which slows <laughs> me down tremendously. Yeah, I love that you mentioned that. That That's definitely, uh, there's a common thread to that that we hear amongst many people who are launching their businesses. Like if you're, if you're taking it to perfection, like you're far too late. Like if I think some, one of the phrases is if you're, if you're, if you're not embarrassed by your first iteration that you put to market, you waited too long. Yeah, I couldn't agree with that more. And it's easy <laughs> to get caught up into perfection because that's so much what we see. And you know, when you're on social media or I don't know, I, I don't know if it's specifically with yoga, I'm sure it's not, but you know, nobody ever posts photos of themselves doing asanas that look like crap or that are super easy. You know, you see this image of it all being perfect. And yeah, I mean, if you're waiting for things to be perfect, you, you're just losing time. Somebody else is going to do it before you. Yeah. Let's, uh, I'd love to talk a little bit more about the, the growth of your audience building. You mentioned, uh, like early in the days, you are already on social media. I'm assuming that at least a portion of your audience was maybe your physical in-person course attendees. Uh, how is that? How have you continued to grow that audience? How have you transitioned to that audience? Um, uh, tell us more about like your overall audience building strategy. I don't know how much of a strategy it is, but um, I try to be really consistent. I always try to be myself. Um, so that usually means that I'm showing up messy and um, 
you know, hopefully relatable. And I also try to be super truthful with whatever I post, but at the same time, have it be information that can be useful to others. And I think that it's really easy, like I mentioned before, just to consistently post really nice pictures of yourself doing yoga, or maybe not easy, but that's what you see a lot. But I think that that can actually be super isolating for people because if somebody finds a photo of me online doing an asana that looks amazing, then they might think to themselves, like, I'm never going to be able to do that. Why would I even try? Like, I'm not that flexible. I'm not that bendy, whatever it might be. Whereas, you know, there's so many more, there's so much more to yoga than that external vision. You know, it's really an internal experience. And I mean, my hope is that I can share that with people or help them experience it for themselves. So for me, the way I try to grow my audience is, you know, being consistent, providing super good information. That's really helpful for them on their journeys. And and I'll ask them, I'll ask them what they want. I'll put polls in my Facebook groups or in my Instagram story, trying to actually have a clue because otherwise I'm, (laughs) I can be really wrong a lot of the times. And I, I listen to what I hear in, if I'm actually at a yoga studio or, or, um, you know, if I'm anywhere in person, really listening to what people are trying to create posts or blogs or content that um, addresses these things that I overhear. And, you know, like, I think it can be hard to, to grow an audience, but I actually also think it can be super fun if you let it be a way to express yourself. And if, you know, like I find reels and TikTok videos to be completely amusing because they're so goofy, but if I can do that in a way where I am still sharing valuable information, then, you know, then you can be goofy and valuable. And, um, so that's been really helpful for me. And then the other thing is that actually when I'm at trainings as either a student or a teacher, or if I'm traveling to teach workshops anywhere, really taking the time to connect to the people who are showing up in person, whether they're students of mine or whether I'm a student with them, um, you know, to, to, to meet people that way, because a lot of people want more than they can have that that then they can find locally. So they'll be interested in um, following me online after that. And if, you know, if you can find a little bit of that personal connection, it just makes everything so much more meaningful. Yeah, I love that. The the idea that uh, even though you would think, or at least I would think on the surface, there's, there's probably a yoga teacher or someone capable of doing this everywhere, but there's also probably so many different unique things that you can add to the table that you may not be able to find just everywhere, you know? So did you, uh, maybe, maybe this is very clear by, uh, you know, the, the specialty that you focus on with Ashtanga. I'm hope I'm hope I'm continuing to say that correctly. You did, you did. Okay, good. But, uh, how much of, uh, what you teach is, I guess, unique to you or a part of your brand versus teaching, I guess, the Ashtanga core? question. And I would say, I mean, I don't know how to break it down into any kind of percentage, but I like to make sure that my students like really understand the Ashtanga system and then help them figure out when is the right time for them to break the rules. Because as far as yoga goes, Ashtanga can be super strict. And I think that, um, I think that that's unfortunate because, you know, strict, you are constricting people. 
you're going to isolate people if, if you're too strict with these traditional rules. And like, we live in a modern world and my students are all live in this modern world. And I like for them to know what the rules are and then decide if that's appropriate for them. And I always give people other options because, you know, it really should be their experience. I can't, I don't want to tell them exactly what to do. Like I'll give guidance and then let them figure it out for themselves. How much do you think that contributed to your success or your ability to establish your own brand in this space? I think that that's been a pretty helpful approach. And I do think that the people who follow me and take my courses, they like that about me. Um, I think that that's what they want. I know that there's a lot of people who also like to you know follow the rules and do things in the more traditional approach. And they probably aren't the people who are practicing with me on a regular basis. I mean, they're always welcome. I'll take anyone. But, um, <laughs> but I think that my audience likes a little bit more of a forgiving approach. Yeah. I mean, the reason I asked that, I try to, I try to be the ultimate listener of this podcast as well. But as I think about, you know, if I'm in the space of wanting to start something, if you think about yoga just on the surface, it, to me, I would I would guess being only loosely familiar with it, that it's a crowded space and that, you know, what am I going to bring to the table that's unique? Um, so I guess just a follow up question to that is how much of that was deliberate versus how much did you fall into uh, kind of crafting your own uh, version or brand of this? <laughs> That's a good question. I think that I, I think for yoga teachers in general, myself in particular, the most important experience that has influenced my teaching is my own yoga practice. You know, I do it every day. I've been doing it for 20 some odd years. I've had a lot of injuries. I just had ACL replacement surgery. I, you know, like this has not been a linear path. It certainly has not been an upward trajectory only. There have been uh, some ups and downs to it. And I've practiced throughout, but it's definitely not the same practice every day. It has to change to, or I mean, I'm changing. I'm, my body is constantly changing. It's an impermanent thing. So my practice, my physical yoga practice adjusts. Um, I've also been influenced by the teachers who I've chosen to study with, who tend to be people who you know are, you know, I've learned from them. They know the rules and then they kind of break them and do what they think is a, a smarter option. Um, so I think that, you know, that's really what's influenced my teaching style is my own experience and practice. And, and you know, like I've me doing yoga 20 years ago when I was 20 is like way different than me doing yoga. Now I, I'm so much gentler with myself, but that's because I really value the long run. I want to keep practicing for as long as possible. I want my body to feel good. I want my joints to feel good. I want my mind to feel good. And so a really aggressive physical practice doesn't really suit me, at least not on a day-to-day -day basis. How much have you leveraged that fact to, I guess, or how how much does that fall into the teachings that you ultimately um, produce? The, just the ups and downs of practice or? Yeah, I guess just the, the overall change in the flow. You mentioned, you know, at one point high intensity. I don't know if that's the right word, but a high intensity was maybe part of the focus. And now it's a little bit more. Um, I don't want to I don't want to prescribe the, <laughs> the adjective here, but, you know, a different focus. It's more mm -hmm. focused on uh, relief, maybe. Yeah, no, no, I think that I. 
I think that my audience really appreciates that. I mentioned I recently had the this ACL repair surgery, and a lot of people have been really curious about this injury because nobody knows what to do when they get injured because you can't follow the prescribed path when you're injured. It just doesn't work when your knee doesn't bend or when your shoulder's injured or whatever it might be. So I think that people are really curious of, about that. Uh, and um, you don't think everyone puts pressure on themselves. So even somebody who's just been injured has this tremendous amount of pressure to keep trying to do what they were doing before they were injured. And that normally just backfires or gets you more injured. So I think that being able to share my yoga story and, you know, however it's evolved or is evolving has been really useful for people. And, you know, when I was younger, I probably attracted more students like myself who were really happy to do a lot of handstands and, you know, sweaty yoga poses. And, you know, that there was a time for that. And there's still people who that might be their time for. And now um, I think that I, you know, appeal to a little bit of a, a wider audience. Let's talk about more about the the ups and downs and maybe just some of the challenges that you faced in both building as well as growing your, your online practice. Well, I mean, most recently, this knee injury has been a challenge and teaching online has been really helpful with that because I've been able to continue having my offerings. Whereas if I was in a studio only right now, I, you know, I just spent seven weeks on crutches. Like I don't think I would have been teaching in person. So that's kind of a micro example, but overall, um, you know, like there's been some hits and misses. Sometimes I think something's going to be hugely popular and it doesn't do as well as I think it will. And sometimes I think that something that might be a sleeper really does a lot better than I was planning it to. I think that what has been most useful for me is to um, ask for feedback from people who are taking classes or who might just be considering it. You know, if I get a bunch of emails after I announce something that it's too expensive, then I know that I made a mistake. Or if only a few people sign up, then again, I know that maybe I did something wrong. I didn't launch it right. I priced it too high, or maybe the offer is just way off. So I think that, you know, really listening to what people are telling me they want is it just helps me serve my audience better. It helps me come up with courses or offerings that they might like. It helps me create content that is appropriate for where they are in their yoga journey. And, um, you know, and then of course that helps me too. I mean, I don't want to put a ton of time and money into a course that only four people want to take, you know, it's, there's something with having some numbers behind it. I mean, there's more momentum and more energy in the group when, when you have a, a good sized group. Sure. Sure. Any, any, uh, thing that you've done differently as a result of those learnings of listening to your customers, do you, have you taken on any new approaches to building new products? Yeah, I well, the most one example would be I tried to the, a couple of years ago. So before the pandemic, I um, had a course for yoga teachers and I ran it in 2019, did super well, tried to run the same course again in 2020. It was during, it was still like during some pretty hard pandemic times. I think it was 2020 and almost nobody signed up. And I think that I really, I just missed the mark. I think yoga teachers just didn't have any money for stuff like that during the pandemic. And 
and they were stressed and, you know, probably learning how to be a better yoga teacher just wasn't really high on their priority list. It was more like I got to make money or, you know, whatever. So I think that I really missed the mark with that because I have since kind of revamped and renamed and rerun the course and it did much better this most current time. Um, this past fall, not as, as well as it did the original time, but, um, the second time I tried to launch it, launch it slash run it in the middle of the pandemic, I ended up canceling it because there, the interest was so low. So I feel like I really missed the mark with that one. I should have thought it through a little bit more. Okay. Well, I guess, uh, from, from that experience, uh, I'm curious, uh, uh, did you, cause you mentioned this earlier too, you mentioned maybe like launching things a little bit earlier. Uh, have you, have, has that, has that, have you, uh, has that made its way into how you decide to create new products? Are you, are you using that feedback you're hearing and putting it in front of a customer sooner or? Well, yes and no suit, but like the, I, I don't love launches. Like I think there are a ton of work and they can be super effective, but I also think that sometimes they aren't the most effective way to do it either. Um, but when I do a launch for a course, like basically I really like to share whatever it is that I've kind of recently discovered in my own yoga practice. So if I'm all of a sudden doing something different, I'm like, Ooh, this is, you know, this is really cool. Like I bet people will like this. This is a hard pose. So many people struggle with this one. Um, but this is a great tip. And so like, I'll try to share things in my launches that I think a lot of people can benefit from. And then, you know, use that as a lead way into the full course, because, um, you know, I want like those things to be really valuable. And sometimes they're probably as valuable as the stuff in the course. And I do allow myself more time for launches. Now trying to condense it all into like a week or two is just, I think it's too much pressure for me. <laughs> and I think that, um, you know, I, I know, I think some people just need a little bit more time to make up their minds. So I usually, I usually give myself probably more like a month um, versus I think a lot of people do like one or two weeks. It's almost like that yoga practice changing over time. The launch strategy changes <laughs> over time yeah. to adapt to the business as well. Yeah. Yeah. And you know, like I just seeing what has worked and what hasn't worked. Cause it definitely has, there have definitely been things that have not worked and things that have, but it's been, a, it's challenged me teaching online has challenged me in a way or just having an online presence has challenged me um, with my creativity in a way that I just never was challenged before. And I, and I like that. I like to think of myself as a creative person. I like to be creative and I feel like um, creating content courses, launches has really upped my level of creativity for sure. I love that. And that, that really segues well. You mentioned earlier um, how location independence was a huge factor in this and that, you know, the, the challenge that comes from this. What what else has ultimately changed for you as a result of taking this leap, being a pioneer of online yoga? Um, <laughs> what what's different about your life as a result? Okay, so well, I'll tell you first what's different about my teaching because one of the reasons I was so um, I mean I don't want to say burnt out, but I was really tired when I was teaching a lot in person is because the style of yoga that I teach it's like the first thing you do in the morning. So it was like you know. I'd be getting up at 5.15 every day to get to the yoga studio by 6, 6.15. And that's hard to do every single day. So having a little bit more flexibility in my day-to-day -day schedule has been... I feel better. 
I just feel better when I get to have a little bit more sleep and I feel better when I create my own schedule. Uh, and there's just not quite as much pressure. And I feel really good when I have people who are calling into a course or enrolled in a class or a, a live workshop or whatever it is that I'm doing online that I haven't seen for months, like people from all over the country or some people I've never even met in person before, or a lot of people I haven't met in person before, but a lot of them I've met over the years at workshops or whatever. So being able to connect with them again and again, online, super valuable. I, I love that. That's why I want to teach in the first place. It's because of these, these people and the impact that I can have on their yoga practices and then their lives. And you know, Kajabi has made it so easy to reach this wider community and to stay connected. And it's also made it super easy for me to share my message. You know, if you're, if I'm teaching in person, I might repeat the same thing like 20 times in the morning. I, I mean, you like, like I go around and I say it to like each individual person in the room. And now it can be a recording of me saying it and people can go back and listen and hear it, you know, as many times as they want to rewatch the, the course. And I actually think that that's another huge benefit is that your body changes, your practice, your yoga practice changes, like how you are on your mat today is going to be totally different than the way you will be in six months. And it's also completely different than the way it was for you a year ago. And I let people keep their content so they can always go back. And, you know, just because it maybe didn't work for them the first time they tried it certainly doesn't mean it won't work in six months. And that, and then they have that, they have that information at their fingertips whenever they want to go and look at it again. I love that. You've almost built a, a little bit of a, a teaching legacy in a way. <laughs> you can go back to the the version of your yourself six months ago or a year ago, um, no matter what the conditions are of the day. Yeah. Well, I Tell us what's coming next. If there's anything, uh, anything new coming down the pipeline, anything exciting you're working on? Let's see. Um, well, I have a, I'm opening up my mentorship program in 2023. So I've helped several other yoga teachers get on Kajabi since I've been on it. And I'm excited about that. I mean, it's, it's fun to help people also be able to teach online, also be able to feel comfortable sharing their message online. So I'm, in, and that's always like a one-on-one -on -one program, which I enjoy teaching one-on-one -on -one too. And then um, I have my primary series of Ashtanga yoga course coming up in January. I mean, January is a great time to be a yoga teacher because people are usually ready to lay down some yoga. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yes. It's, it's the time. So, so yeah, I'm just kind of gearing up for the, the new year now. Exciting. Well, for anyone who is interested in learning more, checking things out, what's the best place to send them? The best place is my website, jenrenee.com or my handles on Instagram and TikTok are at jenreneyoga and I'm there a lot. <laughs> Exciting. I, I do love to connect with people. So I hope that I hope to see some new faces and you know, please say hi. Yes. Yes. Please uh, say hi. Mention that you, you met Jen here on the Kajabi Edge podcast. Uh, we love, love to hear from you. Uh, and on that note too, uh, love it if you leave us a review on uh, particularly Apple Podcasts because I love reading those comments that you leave us. Uh, so <laughs> with that said, um, Jen, thank you for taking the time to share your journey with us. Uh, really cool. Well, thank you. It was fun. And I hope that, you know, I hope I can inspire some more yoga teachers to go share their message online. Exciting. Well, that is all we have for you today. Uh, we will look forward to seeing you all next week on the Kajabi Edge podcast.